Um, good to see you all. Uh, Pastor Nate is not preaching this morning. I'm sorry. So I will be uh, bringing the gospel to you this morning, giving him a little break. And uh, so hold on. First, before I start, let me get a little swig of this. That's what Nate says, so I want to say it. Um, so uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 38 to the end of chapter 10. I'm actually not going to go into uh, the Lord's Prayer. All right, so if you guys are at Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we'll read it. You can also look in your bulletin. It's printed there, which I forgot Nate's Bible, so I'm going to read it from there. This is Luke uh, chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, um, I ask that you would open our hearts to you this morning. I pray that you would give us the courage uh, to be honest about the state of our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that you would meet us um, at the place that we struggle, at the places where we don't trust you. And uh, we ask for your spirit to lead us um, back to Jesus. And uh, we ask this in his name. Amen. All right, so the last uh, couple of sermons, Nate has reminded us that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. So last week we talked about uh, how Jesus talked to the lawyer, gave the parable of the Good Samaritan, and now we're following him as he continues on uh, to Jerusalem. And this time he stops at a, a little, little village. You know, so Jesus stops into this village. He's probably tired, wants a place to sleep, he's hungry. He wants to meet some people and uh, tell them the gospel. And uh, so Jesus comes over to this village, and Luke tells us in verse 38 that there's this sweetie pie, she's a sweetie pie, named Martha, who invites him over to her house. I mean, that's a, that's a nice thing to do, right? Martha, she's a nice gal. So Jesus comes inside, you know, and Martha does the, does the thing where she wants him to feel at home, the royal treatment, as I call it. Uh, So she does the dishes, puts a pot of tea on the fire, getting stuff ready, and she looks over at her sister Mary, and Mary is just sitting there with Jesus. I mean, there's food to prepare, a table to clean, dishes to put on the table, and Mary just isn't helping. She's just sitting there. So Martha starts doing that thing, you know, where you get really hot, and uh, you think evil things about the other person who's not helping you out. And you know what I'm talking about. She starts sweating a bit, and her cheeks are getting red, and inside she wants to rip her sister's head off. This is uh, human nature. Kristen has felt like this countless times. Uh, While she's cleaning up, and I'm sitting on the couch telling her what word I just came up with on Scrabble on my iPod. It's like, oh, that's really good, Trev. You know, so Martha's hacked off at her sister for not pulling her weight and does the sensible thing, Right? She, she goes to Jesus, and, you know, Jesus will for sure straighten Mary up, right? I mean, 
And how many of you, when you've got an issue, go to the Lord and like, Lord, change my spouse. You know, he is a lazy bum. Please change him. Or Lord, please change my child. Uh, he's crazy. Please just regain. I just want some sanity. I don't want to end up on the front page for doing something stupid. Um, so Martha goes and tells Jesus uh, that her sister needs the help. And what do you think she's thinking? Well, surely Jesus of all people. I mean, he likes to help people out, right? He knows that serving is a good thing. So I'm sure she's going to straighten Mary out. Or he's going to straighten Mary out. So she goes up to Jesus and in verse 40 uh, says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So she's frustrated. And understandably so. You know, when I was reading this passage this week and studying it, I was like, yes, Martha, I totally understand you. Uh, tell Mary to get off her duff and do something. You know, I, I feel like I could be very, very good friends with Martha. I mean, we are a lot of like. Uh, I literally get headaches and start sweating, and the tone of my voice changes when people are coming over and our house is not in mint condition. And I don't know why I'm like this. I do know in second and third grade, one of my chores was to line up our shoes in the garage. And we had a ton of shoes. My dad, uh, you know, his favorite store is Goodwill. And I think he would have a heart attack if he passed by a pair of $2 Nikes and didn't buy them. So we had just a ton of shoes. And I'd have to line up all the toes and get the, you know. Or in sixth grade, I bet that I had the cleanest room out of any kid in middle school. And if you went in my room now, you'd be like, yeah, right. But in middle school, I did. And even back then, when someone was coming over to play, I would make sure my Nerf hoop is uh, perfectly centered. I'd uh, line up my sweet figurines on my desk. They were not dorky figurines. They are like Larry Bird starting lineup stuff, all right? And uh, make them all nice. And this has been a source of contention for Kristen and I. Um, in our marriage, I mean, for example, you guys probably don't know this, but before home groups last year, when people would come over, I would, like, panic if the blankets weren't folded and the toys weren't put away and the food wasn't ready 15 minutes beforehand. <laughs> and inside, I was just bubbling with bitterness, with anger and anxiousness. And at these times, I'm a complete impossibility to, to live with or to deal with. You can please give Kristen a hug after the service. And I know there's medication for this, and it helps <laughs> a little, so I've heard. But what's going on? I mean, what's going on inside of me? My heart is raging and bitter because my expectations uh, are getting a chokehold. And my hope, of what, uh, my hope of what I think should happen, you know, clean house, everything in mint condition, is being torn apart. And I turn into this monster in efforts to regain uh, my sense of being in control where my personal expectations are met. And I am defining the way the world should be. And when someone messes with that, I'm like this angry pagan god who condemns those who mess with my law. Now, there's nowhere in the Bible... Uh, that says when guests come over, you have to have the bed made, toys picked up, food ready, you know, but it is a cultural kind of expectation, I think, for most people. And you know that phrase, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness thing? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, 
But it was also the culturally expected um, duty of women in the first century to be busy in the kitchen, at the home, and it was certainly unacceptable for a woman to engage in study. That was for men. So first century readers who would have read this passage would probably be on Martha's side. As they're reading this, like, Martha, what? Or, I mean, yeah, Mary, what are you doing? Because she's just doing what she was supposed to be doing. You know, Mary's just being lazy. So we're expecting Jesus to say, you know, Mary, you're right. Uh, Or Martha's right. You better go help your sister. I mean, that's not very nice. But that isn't what happens. In verse 41, Jesus looks at Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So this is not exactly what Martha was hoping to hear. Jesus basically calls her a worry word. So instead of agreeing with Martha, Jesus exposes her heart that she's anxious and worried and tells her that her sister Mary is actually the one doing what she's supposed to be doing. And so what's going on here? Whose house is this anyway? I mean, it's like Jesus is acting like he is the head of this home. I think this has two uh, important things to teach us. The first one I'm just, uh, I'm not going to spend as much time on, but the first is that Jesus values women. Um, The fact that Jesus is teaching Mary was not normal during this time. Uh, Women were often viewed as second-class citizens, but but Jesus deeply values and dignifies women. There's dear sisters whom he cherishes and celebrates. You know, in fact, creation wasn't complete. The garden wasn't as beautiful as it should have been until Adam had his wife, Eve. And it's only when God made Eve that the garden was complete. God rested, and Adam was like, that's what I'm talking about. In many ways, uh, she was God's crowning achievement. So she best uh, reflects the beauty of God. So ladies, I just want to tell you, you're awesome. We really like you. And we're really glad that we get to serve Jesus alongside of you. And the second thing uh, where I'm going to spend more time is that Jesus uh, wants your heart. So Jesus wants your heart. And this might not be so obvious at first, but the way Jesus draws uh, our hearts to him is not through candy canes and licorice. He draws us to himself by revealing the true state of our hearts. Um, So when Martha sees that Mary's not doing what she is supposed to be doing, she tells Jesus, and Jesus tells Martha that she's a worrywart. That hurts. So where do you think Martha's anger turns? You know, first, she's mad at Mary, but I think now she's really mad at Jesus for not telling Mary to help her in the first place and save some embarrassment. I mean, you know, when my mom and dad would tell me that my sister was right and I was wrong, which was very rare... Okay, it happened frequently. Um, You know, especially if my sister was there, if that would be the worst thing in the world. I mean, I I would be frustrated with my sister, but then I would be more frustrated with my parents because in my eyes, they're against me, they oppose me, and they let that little twerp get this taste of glory while I'm embarrassed. It's the worst. So is Jesus provoking Martha? Well, I don't know, but I'll bet Martha was provoked. But why, why was she provoked? Jesus goes after her heart by telling her that she is anxious and troubled about many things. So um, Martha's anxious, she's worried, she's frantic. So let's take a, just take a moment and think about that. Um, now, you know, anxiety and worry is such a part of our life that, that we don't really stop uh, to think about it. 
you know, we're worried about our kids, we're worried about finances, we're worried about reputations, details, our future. But what exactly is anxiety? Well, I put a quote on the bulletin. I'm just going to read a little uh, blip of that. This is from Dan Allender. He says, the, the tenser one feels, the more cautious and watchful one becomes. The body's feedback loop reads the tension, and the natural tendency of fight or flight increases. Then, even a small problem is escalated into a huge issue. Anger and anxiety always accompanies mistrust. The byproduct is obvious. The more mistrust, the greater the potential for division. Now, I don't think that we usually think of anxiety as being a sin, right? I mean, we live in a broken world. We don't trust God the way we're supposed to, and anxiety just seems normal. I mean, I get nervous when money's tight. I get nervous when we have people over and I don't know what to talk about. But here, uh, Allender says that anxiety flows from mistrust. Because, you know, it's easy to trust God when everything's going your way. But it's a different story when our life doesn't go according to our script, exactly the way we thought it would go. But I think that when Jesus calls Martha a worrywart, he's actually drawing her anger um, and her worry to its true source. She doesn't trust God. She has to take matters into her own hands, which always produces worry, fear, and anger. And you know, the Bible says uh, that all of our sin at its root is a failure to trust God. And what we're doing is we're essentially dethroning Him and setting ourselves up in His place. So we justify our anger because that person deserved it, or we justify our anxiety because how could you not be? And, uh, you know, most of you probably know the story of David. Um, he was known as a man after God's own heart. So, it, you know, when you think about that phrase, what does it look like? What does a, a, someone after God's own heart look like? You know, I think some of us think someone who reads the Bible every day, who is faithful in prayer, gives to the needy, is kind to his friends and family, always has a smile on his face, is never grumpy, never doubts God, never turns his back on God is always content when things are rough. That's wrong. David shipwrecks his life. He's a peeping Tom uh, who looks out his window, sees a naked girl who's beautiful. So he has her husband killed, takes his wife, and commits adultery. And this is a man after God's own heart. You know, in this episode, he sins against a husband, wives, and everyone who's involved. And uh, in Psalm 51, we actually have uh, his confession of, uh, of his sin here. And in Psalm 51, he writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So David gets to the heart um, of his sin and tells God that the train wreck flowed from his sin against God, um, you know, which is always before him, which is always before us, day after day after day after day. And, um, and his adulterous, you know, murderous, wicked heart was just the rotten fruit from a heart that does not want God to be God. But God is so kind and so gracious and so good that he takes this bloody mess and uses it to teach David what Jesus is teaching Martha. 
God wants your heart. Jesus wants your heart. And through the, you know, the swampy, confusing uh, betrayal, David learned something. In Psalm uh, 51, verse 6, he writes, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So God is so shockingly, um, so shockingly gracious, so shockingly merciful that David's sin, though it's completely horrific and completely terrible, serves as a doorway to enter even closer into the heart and the presence of God. You know, this is exactly opposite of the way we think. And I think that Jesus points out um, Martha's sin because he loves her and wants her to take an honest look at her God-forsaking heart, to be honest about her anxiety, to see it for what it is, and then come join him on the couch as he puts his arm uh, around her and explains something like, this isn't in the Bible, something like, Martha, I'm only two miles now from Jerusalem. Now you see why you're anxious. And sadly, there's nothing that you can do to be forgiven. That's why I must leave now and go to Jerusalem, where I'll be put to death. The blood that will stain my cross will forever forgive your betrayal against my father. And I will give you my record of righteousness. So that when my father sees you, even though you will still get anxious and not trust him sometimes, he will only see my unwavering, perfect record of trust in him. And we will be together forever. So Jesus is the good portion that he speaks about in verse 42. You know, he says, Mary chose the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So the good portion is Jesus, who though you will continually fail to trust him, bow to him, listen to him, though you'll sometimes worry and doubt and fear and be angry, he will never, ever, ever, ever be taken from you. And his perfect spotless record of righteousness will never be taken from you, even if you continue to sin. So almost every day I leave to go uh, to work, there's this mini-drama that unfolds uh, right in front of our front door. Belle uh, gets rather emotional. I don't know where she gets it. I'm kind of emotional sometimes. Um, So she gets kind of emotional, and if she hasn't given me more than one hug, and I'm about to leave, she just loses it. One hug is just not enough. So she will say, you know, she'll come to me in her tears that she doesn't want me to go and always ask if I'm coming back. Like every time, Daddy, are you coming back? Are you coming back? And I say, Belle, who am I? And she says, my daddy. And I ask him, what does that mean? And she says that you love me. That's right. I'm your daddy. You're my girl. I mean, do you think I would leave you and not come back? And then she laughs and says, no. Then we give each other lots of kisses and lots of hugs. Then she's all good. I'm ready to go. But Belle, sometimes, you know, she doesn't trust that I will come home, and I have no idea why. I mean, I I always come home. I'm her dad. I love her. And, you know, so when she comes crying to me, not trusting what I say or who I am, I don't scold her. I remind her that she is mine, and I am hers, and we hug, and it's over. (laughs) So when you see your sin, run to him and tell him why you're worried and anxious. 
He can handle your honesty. He's God. And then receive the warmth of his embrace and the promise as he looks you in the eyes and says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, um, you know how much we worry. You know how hard it is for us to trust you even though you never lie, even though you're perfect, you're trustworthy, you keep all your promises. Lord, uh, we are the one with fickle hearts. And, um, and Father, we're just so thankful that you know that and our sin is, is now just an invitation back to you to talk to you and, and to show us our need for Jesus again so that we never get bored of him. Um, so, Lord, we, we thank you, and we just ask that you would continue to teach us and draw us uh, to repentance and faith. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.